recognize that you were the only fucking person that is living your life, not your parents, not your friends, not the podcaster who's trying to tell you to do something or not like no one, but you. And so what's going to make you feel good? What's going to make you feel liberated? What's going to make you feel whole? What's going to make you feel more connected to yourself, connected to nature, connected to life? What makes you feel that? Do that thing, regardless of what other people say. Hello, everybody. Welcome back on the show. And the next episode starts a little bit interesting because I went and visited Diara at her own home and I already put the microphone on her and she just randomly started to say how happy she is with her life and the lifestyle that she chose. So I didn't even ask a question and she started to just speak and it, me and my editor, we both really liked what she said, even in the beginning. So we decided that we're going to keep it like that. So she's going to take the lead on this one. During this episode, we talked about a lot of things, how to live a more liberated life, how to build a business with your partner, and also how our generations and our moms taught us to be as brave and as daring as we are today, and how grateful we are for them uh, that they helped us create this beautiful life. Yeah, we talked a lot about different things, and I really hope that you're going to take out a lot of this upcoming episode. Thank you for being here with me and let's go. Welcome to the show about new ideas on how we live, work and connect. This is Bori Vik, your host, and in the following episode, together with my guests and listeners, we are again in search of something different. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone today when I went to lunch and just reflecting on the reality that I can take lunch in the middle of the day, mm. hour and a half, two hours, and then get back into a groove, you know? Yeah. It's so polar opposite of my life before like mm. in the city and climbing a ladder and hierarchy and teams and... And you know what? I think people actually think that that's what they need to do. Mm-hmm. I think, did you have this as well? That you felt like... You're going to be a good girl if you're going to climb the ladder. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. I feel like like I was steeped in this culture of this is what success looks like. Success is you go to school, like you, you go to university. Maybe you get a master's degree, which I also have. And yeah, you get a good job and you climb the ladder and you make money and you're an independent woman and mm-hmm. you don't need anything else. And maybe you find a beautiful relationship, but like make sure you keep your independence. That was always the both, I think maybe formal and informal messaging that I was getting. And it really took the lead in terms of how I navigated my life in my early twenties, for sure. Mm -hmm. I was so driven by money and independence. And I really measured my success by how well I was doing around money and also what my title was at an organization. And I wouldn't say I was so status driven, but it was like, this is what I was told is is important. And it doesn't matter how many hours I'm working. It doesn't matter if maybe I don't feel totally happy because are, is anyone totally happy working like this? This is just how it is, you know? You kind of accept it. And I think you, uh, you buy into this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel that we need to hear sometimes that it's okay to be happy. Mm. because I think we buy into this yeah of course you want to live like this free life but it's not how we should do it like the reality is that you need to work your ass off you need to go to an office you need to pretend that you're okay with that much work and the more you work the the, the better you are mm-hmm. because that's kind of the kind of situation ladies and gentlemen I've never started any conversation as fast as it is <laughs> right now we're gonna keep it like this welcome Viara so we are here in Lisbon right now and we just looked mm-hmm. out in the window and I pressed the play button uh, or the record button and, and that's when you started speaking, <laughs> which I love. I think that's how all the conversations should go. But let's go back to that a little bit. I'm thinking there was first like our moms and they were still fighting for rights. Mm-hmm. And then we get those rights, but actually I feel like that we still don't know how to, how to work as women mm. or we didn't know. I, I was the same in my twenties. I went to, I had a really good job. I was working nine to five. 
I had a beautiful office overviewing the river, actually. Mm. I had amazing uh, boss and amazing uh, co-workers. So compared to the situation of like, if you need to go to work, I, I, I loved it. Like it was a good place to work from. But I did not want to work nine to five. I think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As of <Amen>. today. <laughs> I think it's stupid. <laughs> and then working on an architecture software. Mm-hmm. I'm not an architect. I'm not a software developer. I never used our software. Like it was mm-hmm. like, and I never freaking cared. It was just an open position as an intern. And, and I took it. But what do you think about this boss babe culture? Mm. Well, I think from a semantics perspective, when we talk about the actual language that we're using, why can't we just be a boss? The fact that we need to add this babe here is this like qualifier that bosses are uh, typically men. And if we're talking about a woman, there's like this extra thing like woman boss, lady boss, boss Mm. babe. We have all of these terms for this, yet we don't have the same language that we use for men. We don't say boss man or man boss right it's just boss he's the boss or they're the boss (laughs) maybe we should maybe we should but i think it's interesting to examine the ways that we use language and how it underscores what we actually believe as a culture or like what we maybe value as a culture or don't value yeah that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah i feel that's pretty much what's happening that we try to be leaders in a way how men are Mm. And I think we're completely different and mm-hmm. we're, we're working differently as well. And mm-hmm. I think we are arriving with what you're doing right now. And we're going to get to that as well. What a few of us started to work on is that leadership for women, it, it is different. Mm-hmm. But if you call it boss babe, it feels like we pretend to be men. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I would like to try to avoid because men can be fantastic leaders and women can be fantastic leaders, but we have different qualities to do so. Mm-hmm. So what happened after, after you climbed the corporate ladder? I got burnt the fuck out, yeah. like completely burnt out and... I mean, it's interesting because I actually started off in the nonprofit sector. I did domestic violence advocacy work for several years and went through several organizations where I moved moved up the ladder, if you will, and had a lot of success there. And I think my first experience with burnout was actually in one of my first roles because I'm this young person in their early 20s leading a team of 30 plus people. And that was my first time doing anything like this. And I'm leading them through trying to support people who are going through some of the worst times in their lives, being abused or mistreated by their partners, not having proper housing, consistently having systems that exacerbate the issues and are actually very unhelpful and sometimes do additional harm. So the burnout was coming from a lot of different spaces, working a lot of hours, trying to support a large team, and then also working in a space where secondhand trauma is actually a thing. And Mm. I had a moment with my ex-partner where we were hiking or something. We were doing something where we were high up and I was looking down at the scenery. And I remember saying to him, wow, I wonder how many people have like, thought about jumping here or I wonder you know and and he was like babe like and I wasn't thinking about that myself but there was a darkness and a heaviness that really framed the lens through which I was looking at the Mm -hmm. world the fact that I was looking at this really beautiful scenery and my first thought was was something like that yeah I want to kill themselves yeah or or yeah, just not not the beauty, not seeing the beauty. And again, while that wasn't my experience, I didn't want to to do that. But the fact that I was thinking that was, um, yeah, really interesting. So that was kind of a wake up call for me that, okay, this work is impacting me more than I realize at a very subconscious level, but it's manifesting in, mm-hmm. in the way that I'm looking at the world. And so I need to do something different. So I came to a crossroads actually, where I had the opportunity to look at being a director or being the leader, one of the leaders of the statewide organization. I was already in a leadership role, but what does it look like to be like the executive director, do a co-directorship? And I was 
handed that that potential opportunity, is this a path that you want to go down, DR? Because we see you in this role. Is that what you want to do? And, you know, me five years ago would have been like, fuck, yeah, this is what I've been working towards. Amazing. I love this. But when I was faced with that crossword, I, I realized this is actually not what I wanted to do in my body. My body was saying, no, 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 no. Go the other direction. And that's when I started exploring some new things. So that's when I actually went and got my master's degree in organizational leadership and development because I had opportunities to work for some cool organizations. And I also, because I was in a leadership role, I saw some of the dysfunction that comes within that space and also some of this d- dysfunction that you see in a lot of nonprofits who are doing great work, but are sometimes internally perpetuating some of the same things that they're trying to disrupt in Mm. in real life and communities. It's quite devastating to see, and it's quite devastating to be a part of internally. And so I wanted to get out of that. So it's like, what, what do I really love doing? I love strategizing. My brain likes to organize things. I'm really good at taking lots of big pieces of information and all these details and, and streamlining them into digestible pieces. I love that. And I love working within companies. I love the culture work. I, I love that part of what I was doing. So I got my master's and then things just started happening. So I ended up going to an event and the event was on company culture and it was almost like a TED talk. And my future CEO was presenting there. And I remember being like, wow, who is this powerhouse human? (laughs) She's so interesting. And I was at the, at the time developing the statewide framework that I felt like she could support me in, like I wanted to pick her brain and get some ideas. So I invited her to coffee and during coffee, she was like, hey, do you want to maybe see what it's like to work together? And I was like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) this is what happens when you just put yourself out there and just say, fuck it. (laughs) Let me ask the question, you know? Yeah. So from there, I created my own little side hustle because I kind of needed it to start doing contract work with her. So I kind of fell into entrepreneurship, if you will, or having my own business accidentally. Um, I fell into it out of necessity more so out of, you know, I intentionally want to have my own business. So I started doing some side work with her and then ended up being a full-time employee, became the COO, and then started developing out the organizational development arm of this consulting firm. So we did community engagement, so doing things on the ground, but then we also did organizational development. And the freedom that I had to just play around and expand and see was so liberating and really transformative for me for my leadership. And then COVID happened. So I literally started that role in January 2020 is when I transitioned to full-time. Oh, no. <laughs> right? And we all know what happened. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, I know. And it was quite interesting because it was a, a test of, of my adaptability, my flexibility. So now I have to figure out how to transform or do something that's traditionally done in person, company culture work, team building, face-to-face, connection, um, strategic planning, in, interaction. And I have to figure out how to do all those things remotely when I mean, people are fucking terrified. And so trying to hold space for that. But then also we want to also move the work forward because maybe there's a bigger responsibility for the communities that we serve or whatever. So how do we hold space for those those two things? So it was. But I think yeah. at the same time, it's, it was a perfect timing to start creating because mm. I think that is a time when everybody created remote culture within their organization, whether or not they wanted it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think we really needed this. We needed to figure out how to belong into a community, even though we are not sitting in the same table. Yeah. Although I have to say that there's a special specialty, just like now recording this uh, this live instead of a Zoom. Mm. I feel there's it's even this, there's a different magic, magic to it. So how can you bring that into a company mm-hmm. in a way that they feel that they have a home kind of? Mm-hmm. So then, but you're not in this business anymore, right? I'm still in this business. So I still have my own. Well, so backtracking in August, I transitioned from my COO role and that was a big decision because my future at that organization, there was a path that we could both see in terms of my future for that organization or within that organization But it's interesting because there's always been this kind of knowing in me that I'm starting to tap into a little bit more of this is not the right path. And I don't know exactly what the right path is, but this is not it. 
And so I need to move away from that and pivot so that I can give myself space to see what's possible, Mm -hmm. which is really a scary place to be because my whole life I've been taught to have a plan, be prepared, be organized, keep the structure again, informally and, and, and formally I've been taught that. And so this was a really different way of me moving through the world. But, um, in doing that, I, ended up moving to Lisbon, Portugal, <laughs> uh, without ever having been to Europe, actually. I, oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. Good choice in Lisbon, though. I know, right? <laughs> really good choice. <laughs> mm, looks cute. <laughs> I lucked out in that way that I chose a good city, but yeah, ended up moving here without having been here. And that opened up this entire new world for me of, of possibility. And also, wow, like I can do this. I moved during the pandemic which was its own thing and figured out the immigration process on my own, which was its own thing. And my partner and I moved here. Yeah. Eventually I quit my job and expanded my side business. And now I have a business with my, my business and life partner. And yeah, that's its own uh, story, but yeah. Yeah. I I actually, can I ask about this? (laughs) Yes, please. So you guys started dating and then on top of that, pretty early in the relationship, if I, if mm-hmm. I know right, you started, you came up with the idea to create a business <laughs> together. V- were you bored? Or? <laughs> it's a while, right? When you Isn't say it out loud, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're correct is, is the short answer. Um, we're super wild humans. So it's interesting <laughs> because our work has always overlapped in some ways. So me doing company culture work, being in organizational leadership roles, there's some like informal mm-hmm. coaching that happens in those spaces and strategy work, of course. And then Jan being a business and mindset coach for the last five years. And so we've always kind of supported each other in our role. So like, Hey, Jan, I have this idea. Can I get your input on it? Or Hey, Diara, like, you know, this is happening. Like, let's talk about it. And so we've always been interested in learning more about the things that we did because Jan has never worked as an employee before. He's always had his own business, okay. which is quite interesting. And for me, I've always had more traditional roles and worked with organizations. He's worked with individuals. So it was cool to bring that those perspectives into each other's work. So we started off doing that. And then we started off talking about, okay, what would it look like to support each other a little bit more? So for me doing company culture work, it would be super great to have a coach that comes in to do some leadership coaching one-on-one. Like that would be a really great compliment to some of the strategy work that I was doing and some of the team, the team workshop work that I was doing. And then we were like, I don't know, like this feels really good. We're kind of vibing. Like this is great. So we started playing around with the idea of like, what would it look like for us to start something together? And then we were like, yeah, no, nah, let's not do that. Let's like keep it separate. And I think for me, I had this, these ideas in my head about keep business and pleasure separate. Don't start a business with your partner. Like all of these perspectives that I feel like I was steeped in as a young person that we, at least where I grew up and and how I grew up in the U S like you see in America, you know, not starting a business with family and, you know, things can get really complicated. You don't want to do that. And so I had that like in the back of my head, but then I had this aha moment, which is going to sound ridiculous to you when I say it, but it was an aha moment where I realized my parents had a business together my entire fucking life. Wow. They had a business together, but I never really thought about it as they're having a business together as a couple. They both had their own separate things and they started something together and it was so normal for me and it worked. And yeah, they had their you know ups and downs with it, but like it really worked. And when I had that moment, it like broke through all of the gunk that was in my head that was telling me this is not a good idea. They were all just thoughts based on misconceptions, not thoughts based on a reality that I could create for myself. What are those misconceptions? That it's going to ruin your relationship, that it's going to be difficult to separate your business life from your personal life, that it's going to get too mixed up. And so then you're always going to be working or you're going to be spending not enough time on work because you're focused on personal things. Just to go back a little bit on what you said, I think for me, it's a, I just realized that I actually have this vision as well for myself to create something with a partner. And I think what's happening is that we used to 
grew up with the same mindset as we started to have this conversation about like you need to work in a certain way and it has to suck to go to work and then we both know that working for I think both of us it's it can be a game and can be something really playful and can be something that we really do enjoy like it's there is a, a lot not so much of a clear line between work and and life for mm-hmm. for somebody who's like a happy ent- entrepreneur and uh, I think putting an extra person into that is just like means that you're playing the same game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, of course, there are all these excuses that you, that you said that are listed in my head as well. Mm-hmm. So did you come up with anything? Like, did you sit down and then through a list? Uh, I, can, I can see that with John. That <laughs> you guys are sitting there. It's like, okay, so how are you going to deal with this? And that? Like, did you have any kind of preparations for that? I wish I could say that we did, but we did not. <laughs> I think that being an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur and starting your own business is its own thing. And then being an entrepreneur and having a business partner is like its own beast. And then having a business partner that's also your life partner has its own other complications, right? And there's a lot of beauty in there too, but also just some things, some extra things to navigate. And I think the biggest mistake that I think, not even mistake, but I think the biggest learning that we had later was that it would have been good to better delineate our domains and our roles early on. And to give us some credit, we literally had the idea to start this business together, like in the spring. And now we're in the middle of our business building cohort. So like it's, it's working. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. It's working and the path here would have been a lot easier if we would have been more clear in our domain. So what would happen is, you know, we're, we're at a decision point and I'm feeling one way and Yana's feeling another way. And we both have very different perspectives on it. And we're like sitting here going, you know, kind of butting heads and not able to move forward because we're both trying to be, take the lead on it. And, um, we read a couple of books and, got some coaching from some, it's really nice to have friends who are in the coaching world because they coached us. Mm. It was super, super helpful to just get a little bit of clarity. And what we realized is like, we need to delineate. These are your domains. These are my domains. And we still need to do that even more. We're realizing as we expand and, you know, we're bringing on a, a virtual assistant, all these things. So now what we have is, for example, if, if a client is struggling with something, they're having a mindset block, I might have an opinion and about, you know, feedback I would want to provide or whatever it is. But Jan is first up. We know that that's his domain. So like, it's like, fuck off, Diara. Let me, let me do this. Um, and for me, when it comes to like organization and the structure of the program and, and, and the steps from here to here, that's my domain. So fuck off, Jan. Like mm-hmm. I get first dibs, right? And it's been really helpful because there have been times where we've been in like trying to figure out how to work on this issue. And then he'll say, okay, baby, this is my domain. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. It almost is like relieving for the other person because it's like, shit, you're right. I can just step away and let you handle it because I trust. Hmm. And so it also contributes to trust as well. It's like I, he trusts me to handle the things in my domain and I trust him to handle things in his domain. And then we continue to support each other along the way. You know, it's really helpful. You know, I also realize that many times that people are afraid to build a, a business with their partners is because... Many times, one of the two is uh, taking the mental load. Mm. So uh, we have these discussions. It's usually the women who are taking the mental load in the household, meaning that you are the one writing the list. You are the one making the, uh, like, you need to take out the garbage and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You need to do shopping. and need to, like, get the kids something clothes, blah, blah, blah. And I think what happens here is that it feels that you guys are so equal in the relationship that there is no one person who takes mental load. Therefore, there is an opportunity for both of you to actually have extra tasks because one of you is not overwhelmed, as it seems from the mm-hmm. distance, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think those are good insights. I think that that's another opportunity area for us. We can do with that a better job of delineating roles and a better job of, of like splitting out some of the workload. And this is one of the reasons why we want to hire a virtual assistant because there's so, so many things that need to get done, right? Like, you know, this so many things that need to get done and we have to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. Otherwise like shit doesn't run. Yeah. And when we have someone else who can step in and carry some of the things that maybe he's been holding or I've been holding, 
Amazing. Then we can both step back, work on strategy and work on the big needle moving tasks that are going to move our business forward. So there's that piece. And then also like another thing that was coming up for me was as someone who's had like a successful career so far, there's almost this like ego death that I'm experiencing right Mm -hmm. now when it comes to like sharing this like boss mode with my partner. Right. So in the past, I was the boss, the leader, if you will. And, and there's not necessarily an ego thing attached to that, but like I was, I was in those positions. Then I could come home and relax and we don't have to talk about work and it's totally separate. But now being in a business partnership with my life partner, like so much is mixed. And so for me, sometimes I'm like, well, but I would normally do that and I want to do that. And sometimes it feels a little more sensitive or I feel a little more sensitive is the word because he's my, he's my life partner. So there's some just internal things that I'm navigating too of sharing more and also us doing a better job of separating when we're in work mode and when we're not. And I think that's another big opportunity area for us or anyone who's starting a business with even their business partner. It's like, maybe there's also a relationship that you have outside of that business partnership And how are you creating space and nurturing that? And for those of us who have business and life partners that we're working with, it can be very easy to have everything mushed together and you're not always creating the space that you need to for your relationship. Luckily, we are catching this really early, so it hasn't been so much of an issue, but we'll say, ooh, okay, we're kind of falling into this space today. Like, let's create some space or let's pause and create some space for us. So it's actually been working well, but it's something that we want to keep in mind so that we don't get in a space where, wow, everything's mushed together and we feel like we don't really have space for either because it's all just, you know. I think what can also be a little bit of a challenge that might maybe just mean that we are talking comes up as someone... I have this tendency that I'm really excited in the beginning of the project. Mm. And then and then after like half a year or one year, then there's like a repetitive stuff comes in because how you need to do business is that there's like the brainstorming session, but then you need to get working and it's still new. And then you need to repeat what worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yes. how you make money. Unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> Even it's this boring. is super fucking boring after a while. But then, yeah, but you need to repeat the things that you've already done and, and succeeded. So I guess that could be an interesting point to see what happens is when it's less fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think Jan's going to have more of a problem with that than me. Because <laughs> he's just like, idea let's try this new thing all these things and i'm like let's take all of this baby and like ground it here (laughs) i got you and i think i have a little more tolerance for okay we have to put our head down and we i have to spend a couple hours just doing this thing and i don't want to do this fucking thing and i would love to offload this to someone else but right now i have to so i can sit and focus and for him it can be a little more difficult but also i think for young he's really great at like big ideas and yeah, like wanting to try new things, like really creative. Whereas maybe I'm a little, I can be a little more conservative with that because I'm like, okay, well, practically, how does that look? So we're actually quite a nice balance, like a really nice balance. Despite of all these things that people say, or maybe not, not even say, I don't think that people tell this into your face. Do people tell this into your face? Like, did you do a business with your partner? Like, <laughs> do you get judged in your face about mm. this? Um, that's a good question. I haven't thought about it because I don't, it actually doesn't happen. I think I get and we get like, oh, wow. Like (laughs) that's, that's, that's cool. But then I think also when people meet us and they see our our dynamic then they can see, okay, yeah, I I can see that. And, and any fears that they have are more related to how it connects to their own experience or what they think they could or couldn't do. I like to think that maybe we're creating more space for people to to think about this as a possibility for them because I do think that it can work. But I also think that the reason that it's working so well for us is because we have such a solid foundation in our relationship. And that's not to say that we don't fight, that we don't disagree. This whole week, we were like kind of rubbing against each other. It was, it was like a heavy conflict week. Mm-hmm. And when you're running a business with your partner and you have a conflict, you still have to get shit done. So it's like, how do we figure that out? And so there's not to say that there's there's not hard times, but having a solid foundation already in your relationship makes this so much easier, so much easier. So what tools are you using to like snap out of the conflict and, and go back to working? Yeah, I think for me personally, like 
what's most helpful and when we get into those tight spaces is then I need to like step away and I need to step away from like everything because mm-hmm. I need time to come back to myself and something that's helpful that I don't always do but I when I do it's it's always beautiful is breath work like coming back to my breath and <clears throat> I try to do breath work every day and I notice that when I am doing it consistently everything is just a lot more quiet for me. Like in in my brain, everything is slowing down and I'm just, I have more capacity for all the things being thrown at me. And so there've been times when we've been in conflict and I'm like, I just need to go step away and like do some breath work. And then I can come back and recognize that like the shit is not that deep. Like it's not that serious. Here's what we need to talk about practically here. Here are my needs. Like here's maybe where I wasn't seeing you. Here's where I didn't feel seen but there's like a time and a place for those conversations. And sometimes we also need to pause and just have a conversation so we can reconnect, so we can move forward. Yeah. Um, and that takes time. And as we're learning more and more about each other and what it's like to work together, some of those conversations get faster and they're not so disruptive. But yeah, this week was challenging. It was super mm. challenging and I'm really tired. I think what you're doing is super exciting. And mm. of course, it comes with a lot of extra things. And I love that you're not saying that it's like, oh, it's fantastic. We don't have any conflict <laughs> at all. I think one thing that still lingers on after after this, well, maybe it's just my question, but let's see if, if the listeners as well. It's mainly on the future, what happens if something doesn't work out with you personally. Mm. So I like how you work. We never actually thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's, it's where I'm coming from, which is yeah. all of my relationship died uh, at this point because I'm single. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, That's a good question. And I'm glad that you caught that in my face because it's true. We haven't really thought about that. And so I guess the first thing is like, our intention is to be life partners. And this is something that I think is unique for both of us in this relationship is like approaching this, approaching a relationship or this relationship as like, you're my life partner. Mm -hmm. So that that's a piece of it. And with that said, we have no idea what the future holds. Like we can't promise each other that, but this is our intention is to be with each other until we're no longer on, 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 on this earth or this iteration of our time here. Honestly, I feel like we would, figure it out and figure it out in a way that that works for us so if we needed if we if we uncoupled and we needed to split and figure out the work I I don't think I have a full answer for that because I I don't know what it would look like it would really be dependent on where we are at that time with the business and is there a way that we can split it do we want to continue being business partners and the reason that I think that it's possible is because before meeting Jan I was in a partnership for 10 years Uh, we were married for five of those 10 and we consciously uncoupled and it was hard, but it was important for both of us and also aligned with our relationship at the time. And like, he's still my family. When I went mm-hmm. to the U.S., I saw his, his mom, uh, my mom, my mom and, and his mom were having a conversation about the clothes that they're going to buy, the children of Jan and I. So like we have a very modern family. And I have confidence in myself that like, because of the way that I was able to approach my, my uncoupling with my former partner, I know I have it within my capacity to create transitions or, or nurture transitions that honor the humanity and have compassion for Mm. both of us. And so again, I, who knows what will happen, but when I think about historically uh, what I've done, I have confidence that that that's what I'll lead with is like love and compassion, even if it doesn't work out. So I feel like we'll figure it out. And with Jan, the same way. I mean, we wouldn't be together. I don't think if we weren't seeing that in each other, because I, I would say that we're both pretty grounded, loving people. And we see that within within each other. And so I, I feel like we'd approach it in that mm-hmm. way. You know, there's two things that, uh, that came up to me Terry was speaking. One of them is a, is a story. If you don't mind, I'll tell the story. I, I traveled in India by myself alone. And I don't know if you know, but in India, they have this separate waiting rooms for females and for males because mm. it's kind of a dangerous place to mm-hmm. hang out. And then so girls are protected and then you can you can hang out in the female waiting room. And there I was waiting for my forever taking train. I think it was like 12 hours until I was waiting. And I made friends with a bride. And she was like, 
I don't know, she was late teens, I think, like illegal, but uh, <laughs> really young. And then I started talking about uh, with her on marriage. Hmm. She was going to her wedding. Like that was like, she had her cousins and everybody in the reading room with her. And then she's like, yeah, I'm going to get married. I'm like, well, excellent. So, so first hmm. I asked if it's an arranged marriage. She was like, obviously, duh, like, yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, who am I? Do you think, who am I? I like, of course I'm going to do this. And the, the second thing was, have you ever seen your uh, fiance? And she's like, yes, once, once, we met once. And I was like, do you like him? And she she blushed and she's like, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I realized like asking this question is not right in any of the cultures. Like, do you mm. like your fiance is not like a valid question. So I crossed the border there. It was really interesting. And then she asked me, so she, okay, but now we are opening like boundaries. So she, she starts asking me back questions. It was, this was like, I was 28. Hmm. And so she goes, are you married? I'm like, no, no, no. So they have, but like, and then have you ever been in love? And I'm hmm. like, oh, yeah, actually we, we live together and, you know, we did all these things. And, and I'm like, and then he looks at me and he's like, so did you comment? Hmm. And I'm like, what does that, what does that mean? And and then I I realized that he's she's asking about sex if I ever had sex. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. that's a commit. Okay. Yeah, and then I said, um, uh, yeah, well, you know, it's and now I felt ashamed because like I'm 28 and then, and I, I need to admit to this person that I I had sex outside of a marriage. Mm. So that was an, also an interesting point. But then I asked back the last question, and this is what why I wanted to tell this story. I asked like, what's gonna happen to you? if you fall in love with someone, someone else. And then she didn't understand the question. She understood everything up until now, but she didn't understand what's going to happen if I, if, and that's when, that was the first time when I actually saw someone 100% committed. Like it was mm. off the table. Mm-hmm. You gave me the same vibe right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> no, not a second. But for definitely the first time who was just like, no, I'm going to marry this person. And then and she's like, we have a contract. Like, that's mm. what she's, we have a contract. I mean, yeah, I can fall in love with another person, but like, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I never actually figured out that up until that point, like how to get into a committed relationship and then saying mm. like, it never actually occurs to me, like, what if? And then this is the vibe that you were giving. And it's, <laughs> it's interesting how my vibe was like, well, but, you know, when it's, like, over, like, what you do? And then your mind is like, well, no. <laughs> we didn't talk about this because it's not an option right now. And I really like the trust. This second thing that came up with is, like, an insane amount of trust in yourself mm-hmm. and in the relationship in a way that you even th- have trust in a happy ending, even, mm-hmm. like, both ways, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so it was, it was really nice to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful reflection because I think I have some past traumas that can manifest sometimes in, in my my intimate relationship, my relationship with Jan, um, around abandonment from my biological dad, around yeah, like trust. So it's taken a lot to get to this point. And also it's like a very imperfect process. You know, sometimes I'm just like it feels overwhelming to be in such a relationship like am I deserving is this gonna fall apart at some point you know so it's yes and our thoughts can be really disruptive to our happiness you yeah. know right don't believe your thoughts oh man <laughs> super wild and so yeah I appreciate that reflection because mm-hmm. when I'm in my most grounded space like that is my truth that is 100% my truth I feel it in my body my bones my blood like everything that I fucking have yeah, like this is this is this is my man. Like this is this is it, and I feel that from him as well. And it's like a really beautiful place to be, considering the relationship of my biological father is quite quite the opposite. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell what happened there? Yeah, yeah, sure. So my biological father, he was in my life for quite some time when I was when I was young, um, but uh, I was unexpected. So I talked to my mom about this. I'm very close with, she was like, we used a condom. I was on birth control and I still got pregnant. Whoa. No joke. You have so no right to be here now. <laughs> right? The universe is like, DR is coming anyway. <laughs> yeah. So 
She was actually on her way to the East Coast wow. from Chicago. She was on her way to the East Coast to um, start her career. And then she she got pregnant. She didn't want kids. And she stepped up and he wasn't quite ready. She didn't even want kids. She didn't want kids. <laughs> she didn't want kids at all. Um, the universe was like, you can your mama. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so wild, Damn. right? Super wild. And um, she stepped up and he wasn't, he wasn't ready for that. And, you know, it was, it was quite interesting because he was in my life for sometimes I was such a daddy's girl. My God, like I loved him. I loved him so much. And when my parents split, I would spend some time with him, some time with my mom. And like, it was always a treat when I would go see him, you know, but upon reflection, what I realized when I was older is that I actually never really spent that much time with him when I was there. He lived with his mom at the time. So I spent a lot of time with my grandma. She mm. taught me how to cook. She taught me a lot of things. And I spent a lot of time with my cousins who lived there as well. So he was doing his own thing. And I was yearning so deeply for him to just see me and to spend time with me and all these things. And it was really difficult. It was really difficult. And I think also he said some things about my mom and just putting me in the middle of shit that was not mine. Like I was a child. Mm. And one thing that I love about my mom is she never did that. She never did that. I knew that she wasn't a fan of him, but she never said anything. She always let me go see him and he did the opposite. And now I have, I can hold a lot of space and compassion for the young human that he was trying to figure it out. And that unfortunately led to um, harm to me. So I have compassion for it. And I'm grateful for the man that my mom did marry, who I call my dad. He adopted me. His name is Scott. But when I talk about my dad, I talk about, I talk about him. And this man is the most incredible human that I know. He is kind. He is warm. He is thoughtful. He is really smart. And he always treated me like I was 100% his, like he was there from the beginning. He came into my life when I was nine. And the way that he treated my mom and also the way that he treated me, he is the reason why I've been able to be in beautiful partnerships, why I had a very healthy, successful 10-year relationship mm -hmm. and was able to consciously uncouple and do that in, in, in a way. And, and not to say that I didn't make mistakes, but you know, that I was able to have that. He's the reason why I'm in this beautiful relationship with a really amazing man now. And I could not be more grateful for him because he's shown me not only what like self-love can look like, but also what does it look like to receive love from another human, another man and a partner? Yeah. What happened to your biological dad? Yeah, you know, there, that's still a, quite an open loop for me, actually. So I've forgiven some pieces and sometimes I still felt angry. But he's, I think, in Florida. He's in the United States in southern U.S. And he's been there for several years. And I believe he got remarried and he... But did he got contacted you? The last time we spoke, I was at university. I was 21, hmm. 21 years old. And... I was, I had been in therapy and it was the first time that I was able to articulate, Hey, some of these things that happened, some of these things you said to me, the way that you kind of put me in between my mom and you, um, it was harmful to me. And these are the things that I remember. And I, and I wanted to like name those things and have a conversation about it. And I can appreciate why he felt defensive about that. And what he said to me is, um, you sound just like your mother mm. and you need to make a decision about whether or not you want me in your life. Like you, you want me in your life. You need to make a decision about that um, because this is not working. And I'm fucking bawling. I'm, I went to a very large university, 40,000 people in the middle of a big city. And I'm like in the middle of the campus, just crying, walking to class. I remember it quite vividly. Yeah, we haven't actually spoken really sense so it's an open loop <laughs> wow yeah it's an open loop yeah it, it was really interesting how this part was just like a little bit disappearing in, mm. in how you were telling this whole thing so recently i started to think about how a relationship with our dads defining what kind not only what kind of vibes and partners are we are going to be but what kind of uh, relationship we are going to have 
will work mm. and what path we are taking. And I feel that many of the women who have problems with people pleasing, problems with setting boundaries, problems with, you know, I'm going to be this crazy boss babe, not all boss babes, <laughs> hashtag not all boss babes, but they usually have a rocky relationship with or an absent absent father. Mm. And I think that's an interesting way to see how we are coming to conclusion. And it was really interesting how you said that it was beginning of your 20s and then that kind of was really going in the same direction how you went with, uh, with your first job and with domestic violence. And besides being 20 years old, which is like just the beginning of career and yes. there's like a lot of expectations. But I think how we are handling expectations in, in our 20s and if you're in your 20s listening to this, I think that's one of the mo- the biggest lesson is that you need to as soon as possible figure out who you are. Mm. I think that should be number one and then set your boundaries around it and just ask for what you want mm-hmm. and i think this is like the business that you're working on right now that you help people liberate themselves mm-hmm. from maybe bad choices before can i say that <laughs> i don't <laughs> know about harsh? bad choices but maybe uh less liberated choices or maybe choices that aren't fully aligned with this expansive life that we perhaps want to live mm. but they're really valid choices because this is what we know you know we can only make choices based on on the things that we know the things we've been steeped in and so my choice to go into the space get my master's degree then work for a for-profit consulting firm all of these things it was based on what i was told is is good and success and liberation is is money and living in a city and yeah having all of these things and it's interesting what you were saying about, you know, if you're if you're in your 20s, like here are some things to learn. And I wish that that was something that I heard in my 20s, because I feel like now at 33, almost 34, I am just starting to really connect with myself and understand who the fuck Diara is. And it's fucking beautiful. Like mm-hmm. it is. If I didn't have any other wealth in any other way, like this is all the wealth that I need is like, what does it look like to be so grounded in who I am and connect with myself and really go deep, deep into that relationship with me? I mean, Yana and I talk about a lot how like our intention is to go really deep with one person with each other and like explore all the different layers and facets and and aspects And I I think that that can also be applied to us as individuals. Like, how do I go as DR so deep into myself where I can like pull apart very gently and lovingly, but like really like sift and and see what's there and uncover and see how how all of uh, the internal pieces interact with the external world. Like that's a beautiful journey, a lifelong journey. And I'm like doing it right now. And to be able to explore that, is a fucking gift regardless of the age that you're in 20 30 50 70 lean into that and and also recognize that you were the only fucking person that is living your life not your parents not your friends not the podcaster who's trying to tell you to do something or not like no one but you and so what's going to make you feel good what's going to make you feel liberated what's going to make you feel whole What's going to make you feel more connected to yourself, connected to nature, connected to connected to life? What makes you feel that? Do that thing, regardless of what other people say. And I see my mom doing that now. Like mm. She's a 65-year-old woman from a big city where therapy and self-development and all those things, this was not anything that she was taught as a young person. This is not anything that our family uh, is steeped in, right? Like these are things that that they're learning right now in their 60s. And the fact that she's doing that now is a gift and it's beautiful. And to see her transformation, all of this is like one of the best things that I've ever witnessed in my life. And the fact that she and my grandmother and my great-grandmother paved the way for me to be able to do this now I sometimes don't have words for it Mm. because it's a very different life that they experienced. So I think the thing that I feel most today is like gratitude. 
even like with the ups and downs and all the things like I'm so fucking grateful (laughs) that I get to experience joy every day, even in the gunk. I live a really joyous life and a life full of a lot of fucking love. And I feel like regardless of what you do for work or whatever, find that. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Ow. Yeah, I think our moms and their, our mothers, all of them, mm-hmm. they did such an incredible job of getting us where we are, mm-hmm. and uh, so that we can we can play. Look at us, like just like look at <laughs> yes. how the hell are Hungarian? <laughs> like how did we end up in Lisbon talking and we met in Copenhagen, by the way? And yeah. you know all these all, that that we can actually have this playground. And I know that there's a lot of things happening still to many, 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 many women uh, that is not cool and and we still have a lot of work together uh, with with our men to to make it even more joyful i think for for many people but i think various things that we have and one of them is is that we have the possibility and the joy to work mm-hmm. on things that we want to do mm-hmm. and understand that we have the possibility to even build businesses with our partners mm-hmm. because it's joyful it's full of joy, especially if you create a business that gives back. And I think that's something that everybody is looking for, something meaningful. You know, you didn't choose a job that's just like, uh, let's do drop, sh- sorry, let's do drop shipping. I don't, I'm not a fan of drop shipping. <laughs> <laughs> just do something meaningless or create more waste on the world. Like mm-hmm. that's a, what, if, what if we just help other people to be free or be, I don't know, happy, joyful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think we are yeah. at the end of this conversation. <laughs> I feel that this drop, uh, ball dropped. This is a good ending for this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. You are listening to the In Search of Something Different podcast, where we talk about new ways and ideas on how we live, work and connect. If you like this episode, don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it helps in this world. And also, you can say hi on Instagram. You can find the show under In Search of Something Dash Different. I'll come back to you soon with the next episode, but until then, don't forget to stay curious.